Hello and welcome to another episode of the Deaf Thing podcast with you, your host, Nicola and Sean. And in this episode, we're going to talk about generalists versus specialists. So let's start off by saying, what would you pick for yourself, Sean? Oh, that's a, it's a hard one. I think it depends on the industry you're in, uh, what point you are in your career and what you are trying to do or accomplish. So I really think it depends. I don't think it's a one in either or. And I've even heard the argument that it depends where a company is in its life cycle, whether generalists or specialists are needed or more valuable. Awesome. Yes, that's definitely, quote unquote, a good answer, because it seems like uh, so let's, you know, talk from a perspective of a blogger that's just starting out. Right. And so you have this all sorts of ideas and you want to cover everything from hybrid app development to uh, native app development. And on the side, you would also write, like to write about uh, backend development because, you know, you tried and you dabbled with Go, but then you tried something with Python. And yes, this whole thing just so is, as it sounds, a freaking mess. Will this take you anywhere? Most probably not, because there are people who have blogs that are just writing about, I don't know, Go or even some totally specific feature set of Go or also on the hybrid side, they, for example, you have people who are just writing about some framework or even some, you know, part of the framework, like for example, making plugins. And here's, so circle back, my point when you're starting off, an example of blogging, you should definitely specialize, specialize, specialize because if you specialize, it will most probably mean that you're going to cover topics that are very, how to say, specific. And when somebody gets to a point where he has a problem, that specific problem that you also had and solved and blogged about, they're going to find you. And, you know, one blog post after another, you're going to surface out as a person who is very knowledgeable slash expert in this particular field. When you're doing this consistently, over a period of time, sure, at that point, and again, when you get a certain following, you can expand, you can go and write about something more general uh, that's not in this particular field. And again, a good tip would be also go specialize in that. So basically have, you know, few areas that you're basically an expert on. And after that, you can go, and again, at that point, you most probably will have a lot more following. And at that point, you can go more on a general side, you know, write about other stuff that not necessarily pertain to your blogging niche, so to speak. So, yeah, when you're starting off, I'm definitely for specializing. So that could work and it is a good uh, time tested plan. However, it could also be completely wrong because let's say you start out and you don't you know exactly what you want to do. You know what you would like to specialize in. But because of that, you turn down other opportunities. And it could be that if you allow yourself to be more of a generalist or allow yourself to take on anything that comes or maybe, to put it a different way, be open and generous and willing to work with other people, you might find that what you become famous for and what you become an expert in might be completely different from what you had in mind in the beginning. And maybe the market where you're trying to be a specialist is oversaturated already. 
And there are tons of people writing about, you know, the new iPhone every year when it comes out. So you, there's just no room for you in there. So maybe you end up writing about, you know, a science-based thing. Maybe you end up writing something about marine mammals when you thought you wanted to be an iPhone journalist. So yes, it would be good if you can find a specialty for all the reasons Nicola said. It's, I, I totally agree with that. But it doesn't mean that you should start off with a narrow focus because you could be throwing away opportunities and you could be throwing away also something where, say, you want to be a writer or you want to be an actor or whatever it is. You may have a particular skill or a particular voice, whether spoken or also just in your writing or in your acting. You could have a personality or even if it's acting like you could have a face where other people say, wow, you're perfect for doing this type of role or this type of activity. And it may not be what you think you prefer. It may not be your favorite thing. But if you've got multiple different people saying, I love your writing, I wish you would do children's books, or multiple people saying, I love your voice, I think you should do movie trailers, maybe you know, you're not the best judge from the inside of where your skills really are. So make yourself uh, available and listen to the feedback. It's really easy to try to be humble and be like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm not really that good. Thanks for, thanks for the compliment. I'm sure you're just being nice. You know, if you hear the same thing from different people and you're pretty sure it's not a conspiracy, they might have a point. So maybe just reach for what's in your grasp. Something they're trying oh, to hand it to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I totally agree with this. It basically goes down to the Eric Reese's book and the whole theory about the uh, lean startup where you should, quote unquote, build it as fast as you can, get it out, let people try it out and give you feedback and then learn from this feedback. That's yeah. it, you know? Exactly. As a matter of fact, a startup pivot is exactly what I had in mind when I started that whole little speech because it's very similar. For example, PayPal started off as a company that wanted to make a payment app for the Palm Pilot. And now they do, you know, what they do. Yahoo, which made billions because of webmail, started off by wanting to make a product that was an online database. So you can actually save something in your browser at work and then go home and have the same information. I know, startling uh, functionality, but it was novel when they came up with it. And many companies have started off doing one thing only to find out that they were either in the right place at the right time or they had exactly what it took to deliver something the world needed at that moment. And they were very successful. So I'm just saying don't limit yourself and definitely pivot. Yeah, totally. So basically, uh, let's now shift focus for actual software developers and again, you know, you can't say, oh, yeah, you should definitely specialize or you should definitely be a generalist because it depends on multiple things, especially, you know, it depends on how uh, long have you been in this career? Are you just starting out or are you already a senior in a you know specific, uh, I don't know, you know, language, uh, domain, whatever. But it also depends on the company size, because we all know that in smaller companies, especially smaller companies, generalists do you need generalists you definitely need generalists however you also need a specialist or two to solve you know those particular few things that most generalists just don't know or don't want to get into that something so deeply 
I'm going to say that in general, you want to be, you want to have generalists at a small company, but you definitely want to have specialists when that company is either very successful, even if it's still small or very big, because without specialists, you're never going to get that extra mile. We talked in a recent episode about diminishing returns. And if you have nothing but generalists and you start off making no money and then your company makes $5,000 and then they make 20000 the next year and 50000 the next year, you're going to get to a point where you're roadblocked by the inability to innovate. And that's when you really need specialists. So I would say every company needs to get specialists eventually. And every developer, if we're talking specifically about programmers here, needs to find a way to make themselves into a specialist in something or else you're going to be either constantly at a level of like intermediate or high junior dev who's not really that valuable. You're kind of an interchangeable part. There are a million people who can do what you can do if you remain a generalist. You've got to become a specialist at some point. And yeah, I mean... And obviously for the same reasons as the company, right? If you're only, you can only work at companies that are in a certain phase, these are not going to be the higher paying roles and you're not going to be the super valued person and you're going to be very easy to replace. Now on the flip side, if you're a very narrow specialist and you lose your job or decide to change jobs to move to a different part of the country or for whatever reason, you're going to find it harder to find a job because you need to find someone who explicitly needs your specialty, but they do tend to pay more when you find them. And I think there's a lot greater job satisfaction. If you love something and you dive deep into one little corner of your world, then you're swimming in a sea with infinite depth where you can just, you know, for the rest of your life, go deeper and deeper and continue to gain satisfaction and continue to have personal growth. Whereas if you're a generalist, you only need to know the superficial three layers of everything you do. I can't imagine you really loving what you do every day. Yeah, that's <laughs> in our industry. That's sort of like being on uh, on a track. You know, I don't know how you uh, guys call them. Those people who work uh, on an assembly line, for example, right? Right. Which sure we do mental work, la la la. But more more or less, yes, it's the same. If you know, if you spend like six months in a job and you're not inventing, trying out something new, uh, that's a red flag. And, but also here's the thing. So let's say you're a specialist, the best ever. And I'm just going to make something up. Uh, COBOL, for example, right? Or no, let me, let me say this VB6. Okay. Back in the day, you could do wonders with that technology, with that programming language. Right. But things have changed. Right. And if you did not keep the pace with the changing industry, which, by the way, we all know our industry is unbelievably fast-changing, right? But if you did that and just remained an expert in that field, you just shot yourself in the foot because, you know, the industry changed. And sure, there still may be, especially, you know, government projects that need that special cobalt whatever experience. But I would argue that those jobs are, you know, not there's not a lot of them. But then again, on your point, they may pay a lot because there's no a lot, not a lot of experts who know about this stuff. So it seems like it's more, you know, uh, pros and cons. Well, to I would out. argue 
that COBOL and VB6 are not specialties, they're tools. And if, if you said, I am an expert in GUI development for Windows, and I used to do it in VB6, but now I do it in some other technology, that's a specialist. But saying you're a specialist in VB6 is like saying, I'm an expert in a hammer, and I am great with a hammer, and I only ever use a hammer, and I know that there are these pneumatic hammers out there and these other types of tools, but I'm not going to learn them, even though people use them to do my job better than I do them. So don't confuse your favorite programming language with a specialty. Yes, you're totally right. You're totally right. What I should have said is, for example, back in the day, VB6-wise, there were these reports and... Crystal, crystal reports. Report. Exactly, yeah. right? So that's a... Sp- you would, uh, would you would agree that that's a specialty, right? No, graphical reporting is a specialty, but using crystal reports to generate them is not. Yes. That's the tool. Okay, yes, yes. Excellent. Good that we made that distinction. distinction. Indeed. So anyways, the answer is that there is no answer, that the answer <laughs> depends, right? Well, I think you always want to go either as a company or as an individual towards becoming a specialist or hiring specialists. Absolutely. But yes. if you're starting out, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to, again, limit yourself to one specialty when it turns out that might not be what you're naturally the best at. If you say, I'm only ever going to do web graphics and maybe you're really good at database programming and you just never knew it because you never gave it a chance, you know, do a little bit of everything. So you know enough to know which doors to close. As we discussed in a previous episode about the dip, try 50 things, try a hundred things, make sure you quit 99 of them when you find the one that is the one that's going to be your forever specialty. But, or when I say forever, you know, your career or the next five years or whatever it is, but don't spread yourself too thin because it will not give you the opportunity to achieve the depth in any one thing, which is really going to make you valuable and give you satisfaction. Yeah, definitely. And as our VP of engineering likes to say on his uh, slides, he always adds one Eminem quote. So this one would not be complete without it. Where is like, who known that he's going to grown to be a poet and not know it. <laughs> All right. So another great episode, Nicola. Thanks for uh, suggesting the topic. Thank you. And thank you for the distinction. You're welcome. Awesome. Okay, guys, that's all for today in this episode. So see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the DevThink Podcast. To reach us for comments, show suggestions, and other feedback, contact us at info at devthink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Our intro music is by Rupa Deadweiler. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. 